Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Good morning. Welcome to the Removing Confusion podcast. We got to flip the page on the calendar. It is August. It is August the 2nd, 2023. I started using a new microphone again. I'm, I like to do that. Uh, if you have any comments on it, leave it for me. Uh, if it sounds better, sounds worse, but needs adjusting, I have a I have a sound tech that will let me know, I'm sure. <clears throat> but uh, And I appreciate his help. But right now, uh, there's some things that are really bugging me. This world, I know, is a mess. I know that things are in this nation. Let's just go there because we already know the world as a whole is just really going down the tubes. We've had a lot of political changes that happened, and I'm not here to speak on politics. I'm not here to uh, pontificate about the uh, rising and falling of, of our uh, society as a whole, but I've got to tell you, some of the things that my buddy sent me really concern me. Uh, some things are a little bit more, there's a church in uh, Moscow, Mo <laughs> Moscow, is that how they say it, Idaho, uh, that uh, they, back during the COVID, oops, uh, the COVID fiasco, there were a lot of people, Christians, who were gathering outside to worship singing and, and praising God, and they were arrested. Now, we heard about this all over the country. This was happening. It wasn't just in, you know, California or New York where you expect all the uh, 
socialistic Marxist idiots that control police departments to go out and uh, arrest people for, you know, singing hymns and worshiping God. I'm sure if it was a pack of devil worshipers or if somebody was trying to burn the church down, it would have been fine. But instead, the city of Moscow, Idaho, which I believe is the same place that it was a horrific knifing and killing of four people. They agreed last week to pay a $300,000 settlement to a group of Christians for violating their constitutional rights when the city police arrested them for outdoor singing without wearing masks, without wearing masks, without wearing masks, outside while protesting COVID-19 pandemic restrictions. In September of 2020, the city issued a public health order mandating masks and social distancing. What a bunch of idiots. You know, they they reached out, or as they the folks say out there in the country, they retched out of way outside of bounds on all this. And now we know because COVID although a very serious disorder to, to fall upon you, I've lost some guys I really respect and loved and I would call friends uh, to it. Uh, and basically that was probably just bad medical uh, following the protocol of the day. And I, again, I'm not here to, get on the COVID bandwagon again. That's too much. There's enough people talking about it, but it's good to see that uh, somebody's paying their just desserts. And I hope more cities across this nation, the ones in Kentucky that I remember, I don't remember the town, but I do remember it happened in Kentucky as well where a socialistic Marxist communist governor and his mayors in small towns, these are not big towns, these are small towns, went out and arrested people for sitting in their car with their windows up while the preacher inside, you know, they set up one of those repeaters where he could give his message over the uh, the airwaves or the radio, you know, if you pull in, you know. And they arrested people for sitting in their cars fining them to $500 a piece. John MacArthur, I'm not, you know, always on John's side, but John, you know, theologically, he's, he's, he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad preacher. He said some things I just really don't go along with. But then so is everybody else, and I've probably stepped in that crack somewhere along the line myself where people are like, oh, he's a heretic. Listen to what he's saying. In uh, Wisconsin, land of cheese and the Green Bay Packers, a young man. I saw this video. Yeah, it's on. It's on the uh, Gab social media platform. Uh, a young man is arrested. He's out there. He's got a microphone, a little you know amplification box, and he's just preaching the word, reading right from the Bible. And he's reading some of those passages. I don't I don't rightly remember right off the top of my head what they were. I'd play it for you, but I don't want to take the time right now. But uh I'll try to remember to stick it in there somewhere. He he got arrested. I mean, and they, they it wasn't like one burly police officer walks up to him in the park and says, Come with me. Yeah, they had a whole herd of them. It's like a flock of cops. Now, I, I, uh, I come from a, a long history of law enforcement myself. I am a, a former law enforcement uh, agent and a prison guard. Many years, twenty almost 20 years of government service. And I cannot imagine them sending me out and saying, hey, you got to go arrest that guy for preaching. I'd say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'd probably get fired or at least written up. It's hard to get fired in the government, but... Uh, it can't happen. It'll just make your life a living hell. That's what that's their that's their way to do it. But it's like what's happening? You know, now you'll have people that, that you know, we're not in the we're not in the great tribulation yet, but we certainly are at the door to it. 
And you'll have people that will tell you, well, these things shouldn't be happening. I'm still here. You know, I haven't been raptured away. Of which I catch a lot of flack. I want to be very plain and clear. Never have I ever said there is no rapture. I've been accused of that. I have never said that. I just say your idea of the timing of it, I do not agree with, pre-tribulationist. So if you're listening and it offends you, I'm sorry. But if you start to read your Bible and quit listening to preachers who think they know everything because they taught it to them in Bible college, Dr. So-and-so said this, well, that's what, it's got to be it. He's my mentor. Well, you got a bad one. Listen to me. You've got to read the scriptures. You've got to rightly divide them. Study to show yourself a approved a workman not ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth rightly dividing being able to take things here and there understanding that uh, some of the things that you read can be twisted and misconstrued into all kinds of different ideals but again, this this thing with the cops arresting a kid, a young guy too. It's not, not, not an old guy like me. He's a young guy, probably twenty. God bless him for standing out there with the nerve, the guts, the unction of the Holy Ghost to go and preach open air and even be arrested for it. This is the world. This is the nation that we have given away. Christians uh, locked and stocked in your little churches, which if you look around probably look like a shell of themselves from 20 years past. You better wake up. It's not about the feel-good three-point message. I heard a guy say that the other day. You know, they... Uh, preachers are giving sermonettes to Christianettes so they can go home to their dinettes and smoke their cigarettes. And I was like, he had a dinette. I've always heard that Christians, Christianettes, and, and cigarettes and whatever. But it's like, okay, we're these guys are getting slicker as they go, and they're they're actually. I'm telling you, that's that's the idea. I was I just want a 20 minute two point sermon. Get me out of here. If it goes too long, the spirit leaves the building. Let me uh, tell you something. Spirit leaves after 20 minutes. He was never with you to begin with. You are not even a Christianette. You're just a lost, unsaved, unwashed sinner sitting in a pew, worried about the time, worried about yourself, but not worried enough to listen I made the comment the other day that my podcasts tend to run up to an hour, sometimes an hour and a minute. And I have, you know, I have some folks that listen. I know they do. I've, I've, I've heard from a few. But I also know that, you know, you can't just squeeze everything into 15 minutes. We, this, this Bible that we esteem so highly, but yet we don't want to spend any time in. When somebody else does and wants to bring it to you, it's not just me. There's many out there, and a lot of these guys will spend 45 minutes to an hour expounding on scriptures, trying to build up the church, the body of Christ. And yet, I don't have time to sit and listen to that for an hour. Fine time. Not just me. I don't care less. I'm going to do this no matter what. I'm not going anywhere until God pulls the plug on me. Or Spotify takes me down for being a little bit too radical. But I stay away from the things that they can really go after me for, the little catchwords and buzz phrases or whatever. There was a man 2,000 years ago by the name of Paul. His original name was 
Shaul, Shaul of Tarsus. You know, Paul changed his own name. God usually changed names. I did, and I never realized that. If you look, I mean, I realize God changed names. He changed Jacob to Israel, and he changed Abram to Abraham, and on down. You know, we know there's many. But Paul actually decided, I believe, on his own to change his name from Shaul to Paul or Saul. Saul, you know, I was using the uh, actual Hebrew name of Shaul, but it was Saul of Tarsus. He changed it to Paul of Tarsus. He felt like that was a better representation of who he was after he was converted on the road to Damascus. Now, Paul has been, in this scenario we're going to look at today, and we're going to go pretty deep on some things, Acts 24. Acts 24. Now, after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and an attorney named Tertullius, and they brought the charges against Paul to the governor. And after Paul had been summoned, Tertullius began accusing him, saying to the governor, Since we have attained great peace through you, and since reforms are being carried out, reforms are being carried out for this nation by your foresight, we, all, we acknowledge this in every way and everywhere, most excellent Felix, with all thankfulness. What a knee-bumbling groveling gag. This is a high priest. Ananias. He's just groveling before this Felix, a Roman, who would kill him just to do it, but he won't because of the political ramifications with the Jews. So he won't kill Ananias, and Ananias is kissing his feet so therefore he's not going to do anything but that i may not weary you further of in acts 24 4 i'm using the new american standard version of the bible right now so get mad and throw things at your screen it happens every once in a while but that i may not weary you further i beg you to grant us a brief hearing by your kindness. Again, how much groveling can a man do before someone he actually hates, but he's acting like, wow, Felix, you're great. For we found this man, Paul, a public menace and one who stirs up dissensions among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Now, those of you that are in the Nazarene church, he's not really talking about you. That's My new microphone picks up a lot more. It's a dynamic. Or no, I'm sorry, it's a condenser. I always get them confused. Anyway, we found this man a public menace. Wow, Paul's a public menace. I mean, he's out there burning buildings down. He's not wearing his mask. He's singing in public. We need to have him killed. He's preaching the word using a microphone and an amplifier. That's what happened to you in Wisconsin. He's a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarene. And he even tried to desecrate the temple. So we, indeed, arrested him. And by interrogating yourself, interrogating him yourself concerning all these matters, you will be able to ascertain the things of which we are accusing him of. I'm reading a lot of scripture, but it's kind of fun, isn't it? To see what has happened before Solomon told us there's nothing new under the sun. What has happened before will happen again. There are many 
Pauls today running around that are trying to preach in public. They're trying to hand out tracts. They're trying to gain a little foothold in the world and pull some people out of the flames, as Jude tells us to do, to keep them out of the pit of hell before it is too late. And yet, they're being accosted by the government thugs to shut them up. I remember Paul and Silas got jailed and they prayed and sang. I know remember Peter was in, in, in jail as well. And when they released him, I think it was an angel that actually released him, he went back to the temple and started preaching again. That's a gutsy move. The Jews also joined in this attack, asserting that these things were so the things that they were accusing Paul of. That was verse number nine. And when the governor had nodded for him to speak, Paul responded. Now we're going to listen to what Paul's response. Again, I'm reading, it's like I'm reading a whole chapter, but, and I don't usually do this, but it, it, is, it is such a significance to us today. Knowing that many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. Since you can take note of the fact that no man that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship and neither in the temple did they find me carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot nor in the synagogue nor in the city itself this is Paul's defense nor can they prove to you the things of which they now accuse me. But I confess this to you, that in, in accordance with the way, that's in a cap, capital W, the way, the way of Christ, which they call a sect, which is a nice way of saying cult, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and is written in the prophets. Verse 15, having a hope in God that these men cherish themselves, that there certainly be a resurrection, both the righteous and the wicked. There are two resurrections. Many people are confused on this. There will be a resurrection of the righteous dead first thessalonians chapter 4 verse number 16 i believe is a famous rapture verse that everybody likes to throw around thinking they know and it's also in first corinthians chapter 15 first corinthians chapter 15 paul talks quite a bit about resurrection Now, First Thessalonians chapter 14, or I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And those who are alive, those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air and there shall we be forever with the Lord. Listen, that's a resurrection. No way around it. If the dead are raised, I don't care what order you want to put it in. Read it. Read it. Understand. Very simply. This is a rapture, but it's also a resurrection. It's at an appointed day with the trumpet of God. How is this so hard to grasp? But yet, it's, you know, you want to you get yourself in trouble? You will if you decide to say, well, that sounds like a resurrection, not a secret catching away. I hate when the phone rings while we're doing this. But listen to me. 
crisis of averted here at removing confusion as we carry on in the I'm sorry about that. I my office contains a phone and just when you don't want it to ring it will. Anyway, resurrection. The first resurrection is a resurrection that we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. If you go further into your Bible, you'll find that there is another resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Wow, what would that be? Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Well, first of all, the very first resurrection was Jesus Christ himself. And we are part of that resurrection when it happens to us if we die before this blessed event called the return of Jesus or the rapture of the church. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. Now, notice it says over these. So that means there are more than uh, just the Lord himself. I I put that in there at the beginning because it makes sense. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. And then over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. There's a thousand-year reign coming, the millennial reign of Christ, the blessed and holy, these ones that are raised from the dead at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, will then reign with Christ, be priests of God and of Christ, and will reign with him, R-E-I-G-N, with him for a thousand years. Uh, how many? How long? A thousand years. And later on, that's in Revelation 20, verse 6. In Revelation 20, verse 12, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which the book of life and the, and the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And verse number 13, And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, And death and Hades, or hell, gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to their deeds. So Paul tells us, when he's talking to Felix, that there's two resurrections, one to the wicked, or one to the the just, one to the unjust, one to the ones who have held fast to Christ, and one to those who have not, both the righteous and the wicked. There is a thousand years of hell. Or Hades, as the New American Standard Version Bible tells us. I don't care if, again, get mad, but it's very easy to understand this. And I'll read it to you from King James if you want to go through the whole thing again. I love the King James Bible but I believe that sometimes we need all the clarity that we can get. In view of this, verse number 16, back to Acts 24, in view of this, I also do my best to maintain a blameless conscience before both God, I'm sorry, uh, conscience both before God and before other people always. See, what's Paul saying? He's not, I'm not here to just show off that I'm better than you. I'm holier than you, all that stuff that you get blamed for when you become a follower of Jesus. But in view of this, I also do my best in to maintain a blameless conscience with mind, both before God and before other people always. Why would he do that? Because when we operate under the power of the Holy Ghost, we don't want to offend God. You never want to offend God. You don't want to vex God. You don't want to uh, quench the Holy Spirit. You want to be in prayer. Always. 
when you operate in these manners, you are going to prickle some people's feathers, but overall, they can only, they can only, as they say, trump up charges against you that have no bearing and can be proven elsewise. Now we know with Paul sooner or later, he loses his head because of his stand for Christ. But let us go on in this, that Paul says, I'm doing my best to maintain a blameless conscience before both God and other people. Oops. That's verse number 24, 16. Now, in the King James Version, and herein I do exercise myself to have always a conscience, a void of offense towards God and towards men. Very well put as well. That's King James. I don't have a conscience that I am void of offense before God and men. Now we'll go on. After, and now, after several years, I came to bring charitable gifts to my nation and to present offerings, in which they found me occupied in the temple, leaving, uh, I'm sorry, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But some were Jews from Asia who ought to have been present before you and to have been bringing charges if they should have anything against me or else have these men themselves declare what violation they discovered when I stood before the council. There were people there that could have stuck up for Paul, but they didn't. They didn't show up or they weren't pulled in. Of else, or I'm sorry, or else have these men themselves declare what violation they discovered when I stood before the council, other than in regard to this one declaration which I shouted while standing among them for the resurrection of the dead. I am on that before you today. But Felix having quite accurate knowledge about the way, adjured them, saying, When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. See, now Paul's said, you know, he, or I'm sorry, Felix is even saying, I have quite a accurate knowledge about the way. So when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I'll, I'll, de- I'll decide your case. He gave orders to the centurion for Paul to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom and to prevent any of his friends from providing for his needs. I'm sorry, my eyes aren't working well. (laughs) Let me reread that. He gave orders to the centurion for Paul to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom and not to prevent any of his friends from providing for his needs. So Felix is actually being pretty decent to Paul. He's like, like look, you know, uh, let's give him, you know, we'll give the, it's a, it's a 50-50 thing. We'll shut these priests up, the high priest Ananias, but yet we'll still, you know, Paul's not really done anything that deserves death or even jailing, but we'll just have to hold him to keep them quiet and keep a riot from ensuing but we'll let him have all of his freedoms, basically. And his friends can come and go as they want. Now, here's where it gets interesting because this is what preachers, I don't know why they can't read their Bibles and understand that there's more to preaching than snappy little things to say to get people to laugh or get people to smile or whatever or give them a good feeling inside. Acts 24, 24, and now some days after Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewish, who was Jewish, they sent for Paul. 
He sent, you know, Felix did. Felix sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul takes him through the gospel. Oh, well, there's an interesting idea to share the gospel, but yet not be afraid to use the cutting edge bits and pieces. Paul is standing there defending his life. Paul is standing there with the opportunity to be killed by this Felix, or at least sent on. He actually was. He was sent on later to actually be killed in Rome, chopped off his head. But these guys were always a little bit leery of going that route because it was just a little too bloody for them, I guess. So in Acts 24, 24, you know, Drusilla, the wife, is there with Felix, and Felix is like, hey, let's get Paul up here and talk to him again. I think Paul entertained them in a way. Now, you know, that's not in the canon of Scripture, but it seems like, you know, he he says, I'm going to wait some days. I'll call you back. You know, you gave me enough to think about now. But I'll call you back, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss some more things later. So he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Acts 24, verse number 25 is a linchpin. Preachers, if you're listening, which I doubt, because you don't need to hear anything new. This is all old hat to you. But if you're a preacher, if you're a pastor, if you're a minister, and you're not listening, or you're listening, sorry, if you're listening, listen to this verse. Maybe you've never heard it before. But as he was discussing, this is Paul, Paul is talking, but as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix became frightened and responded, go away for now, and when I have an opportunity, I'll summon you. When Paul started to talk about the righteousness that we are to a, a, a to attain, to aspire towards. When he talked about having self-control, you know, keeping your house in order, so to speak, what happened? Felix started to shake. He got scared. The King James says, he became, he trembled. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. New American Standard 20 says, but as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and responded, go away for now. And when I have an opportunity... I will summon you. How often have you heard a message of righteousness, of temperance, and the judgment to come? Don't hear them too often anymore. Back then, it was practically all they really talked about. Because people will say, well, Christianity was new and they needed this. Now now we just need, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because you you got that guy that wants to sit there and yell amen at everything. So he looks so holy that, you know, the jokes, ha, 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 ha. Christianity, following Christ is no joke. That's why that segment is still in my opener, which some people may think is too long, but I, I, I hope that it's sinking in. There's no time for jokes. There's no time for endless stories. You know, if you have a story that fits it all together, that has some kind of sinew to it that brings the, the message together, I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm not totally against all that. A 
levity is not a horrible thing. I've heard some really good guys that, that can throw levity in there. And you remember certain things maybe by that. But when it's totally that, then you might as well go and do an improv. You know, what is that called? Evening at the improv. Because you're just trying to entertain people. Paul was not trying to entertain Felix. Isaiah Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 is very popular. Come now and let us debate your case or reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall become as white as snow. Though they have they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. He's talking about salvation. Your skin, your skins, your sins are are scarlet. They're red. They're they they glow at you almost, but they shall become as white as snow. Only Jesus can do that. These people who sit piously and just listen to literally nothing some Sunday mornings. Every Sunday should be an opportunity for people to hear the unabashed, unwatered-down truth. Even if you look out and you only got 25 people in your congregation or less, give them the truth. Give them straight from the Word of God what it says about how we are to live. Romans, oh, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, or brethren and sistren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. How are you to present yourself? your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. You are just to exude Jesus to people. Not to the point where you, again, get coined as the holy holy, but that you are, people understand that there's, what is it about this guy, this lady? First Peter 3 and 15, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. See, the thing of it is, is you don't go out there and you point your fat little finger in somebody's face and say, you need to accept Jesus. I've seen guys do that, these homosexual rallies where they got a Bible in one hand. They, get, they make sure that somebody catches them taking a picture of them. And their finger gone, you know, and they're yelling at them probably from Deuteronomy or something. And, you know, it doesn't really work. Some guys will say, the, the, the word will never come back void. Well, it, it context of everything. We're not going into that today, but context of what you're reading with gentleness and respect. I, I, I don't see much of that anymore or I see, or, or the people go completely the other way and they just give up and they become lilies blowing in the field. You need to have a backbone. And you need to have the ability to defend the gospel, defend Jesus. In your heart, you have to be set for it. That person who will tell you, it's a 4,000-year-old book. How am I going to listen to that? Just tell them. Look at the accuracy. And, of course, you know, you, there's some people who are just going to have every excuse for why they don't want to follow Christ. And when it really comes down to it, they don't want to because they feel like they're going to get 
pushed into a corner where they have to live this life of holiness and sacrifice. God, in his infinite perfectness, his holiness, is th- that is how you will be judged one day. By his righteousness and his holiness and ultimately the covering of his blood. His, his blood does not just give you a freedom to do what you want. These people who go on with, well, he was saved when he was a teenager. He's just not living for God now. Well, who's he living for or she? It is an abomination for kings to commit wicked acts because a throne is established on righteousness. You are a politician out there, perhaps, I hope, listening. I doubt, but I I hope. I can only pray that there may be one, maybe a low level. If you're a mayor of the smallest town in in Ohio or in the United States, your chair behind that desk is a throne of righteousness. You can enforce laws and you can uh, pass ordinances for your, for your little burg that you have your police officers enforce. You better make sure they're in a righteous flow. But let justice roll out like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, Amos. 524. There's so much that we have lost because we don't want to offend people. So we offend a holy and righteous God instead. Arresting people for preaching the truth on the street is those police officers, what are they doing? What are they thinking? It, and it happens a lot. Now, this Felix guy, I know Drusilla, I believe there was a little bit of adulterous stuff going on there. Um, and, you know, that's why Paul's also going straight to it and telling him about righteousness self-control or having control over your lustful ideals and the judgment to come. If you don't come around, there is a judgment on its way just for you. Second Peter 1 and 6, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. You know, you try to talk to people about self-control, which is also the the lack of gaining anger over the smallest little infraction that you feel has come your way. As a as a minister of the gospel, you grow a thick skin or you quit and shrink away like a lily under the hot sun. The lilies seem to gather a lot of other people listening to them. But the ones with thick skin, people just question them and want to know, why are you still doing this if you, if you get so much flack? The old, the old saying goes, if you're catching flack, you're over the target. Romans 14 and 12. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. He's talking to the Christian, talking to the church, talking to the people. Why is it so hard to understand that? Do you really want to stand there on that day, like it says in uh, Matthew 7, 23, stating your case of how great you are, only to have the Lord Jesus Christ 
God on the throne look at you and say, depart from me, worker of iniquity, worker of lawlessness, I never knew you. First Peter 4 and 5 repeats it just for you. And but, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Then, of course, there's the great white throne stuff again. You see what I'm working at here is we need to really buck up our system and our lives. We need to start to understand that if you are saved, you are called into something that that is rife with sanctification and you've 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 been justified your sins have been judged and put under the blood of christ a very severe price has been paid the blood of christ the death of the savior that's the price that was paid for you to claim that you are a born-again child of God. Act it. Act it. But so, so often that's not something that is preached, taught, extolled upon, pushed, given to people to do because Oh, we're asking people to do too much. Just get them to say the prayer and uh, you know, tap them on the shoulder. You know, raise your hand and say, hallelujah, another lamb has come home. But that lamb can walk away again. A sheep, if it's lost, is still a sheep or a lamb. It didn't become a goat when it walked away from God. But it can. If you stay away from Christ long enough, you stay out of reading your Bible and not praying and attending some good church where the teaching and preaching is solid and strong, sooner or later, you'll be way out there. Sin will take you further than you ever thought it could. Even if you say, oh, I know I'm a Christian. You know, we watch some of these movies, me and my wife, they're, they're, and they're, they're, you know, the typical uh, rapture happens, blah, 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 and there's people left behind. There's some of them walking around saying, you know, well, it couldn't have been the rapture. I'm still here. I'm a Christian. I'm, I, nah, I, this was aliens or whatever. Muslims or something. Everybody gets blamed, but and again, I don't, I don't aspire to that pre-trib thing, as we already know. But you know, the thing of it is, is it it should open some eyes. I mean, there's some there's some things to take in from that. The fact that these people thought they were in Christ, only to find out way too late that they believed a lie they they uh sat in a pew somewhere and they listened to heresy they listened to you know do what thou wilt as a whole of the law just about we're not under the law don't pay attention to that james 219 says you believe that god is one you do well. The demons also believe and shudder or tremble. They they know God. They know that there is an infinite, perfect, holy God. And he will judge them and throw them all into hell, the demons and, and Satan. None of them have a redemptive quality. None of them can be. All of them will scream in hell forever. But they know there's a God. There are many people who claim God, and they know God. But they haven't made that commitment to God. They haven't asked for forgiveness 
of their sins. They haven't asked God to clean them up. They haven't even tried to get into a Bible and understand the God that some preacher sold to them. God will refuse no one who comes to him with a contrite and broken heart. And that's usually the earmarks of someone who has truly made a commitment to be saved, is they are broken. Tears in their eyes, or at least fear, That is lost in a lot of today's evangelism. It's lost in a lot of today's churches. Because we don't want people to walk around in fear of God. Romans 3.18 says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. They, you, you, you know, people who, who can stand there in a bar, cursing, carrying on, and have a, a Jesus loves you T-shirt on, or or you even take the bar out. You could go to Walmart. You hear a guy just running, you know, uh, peel the paint off the wall, kind of of cussing, carrying on, and then still say, "I'm a Christian." There's no fear of God there. He knows my heart. You better believe he does. And if you act in that fashion and in that manner where you have no regard for what people see, don't want to use God's name in vain. And they'll say, well, I never do that. Well, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, but you act like a follower of the devil, the old saying is they go to church on Sunday and go to hell on Monday. How true. How unfortunate. Because the church is not convicting. It's not preaching holiness, righteousness, purity. Following in the footsteps of Jesus. There is a resurrection coming. The resurrection of the just. And there is also a thousand years from that, the resurrection of the wicked you want to be in that first one you want to study your bible to show yourself approved again understanding these things that we are to try to do the best that we can but always when we fail we ask god for forgiveness and let me end with this today if you've never really done that, if you've never asked God to forgive you, what better time than now? What better time than right now to get in a quiet place and just ask the Lord to take over your life, clean you up, Put you on the right path. Find yourself a place to worship that is true and honest. Lean into people who can bring you the truth without, without wavering, without being afraid to say, Hey, I'm going to teach you about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. That's how Paul did it. That's how Jesus did it. James, John, Peter, Andrew, they, they all died preaching the gospel. We may die in this age that we live in, standing for Jesus, but it'll be well worth it to hear, enter in, my good and faithful servant. Till next time, Tom Richardson, Removing Confusion. With a heavenly home. My holy father, well, he's made me.